I just got back from vacation <laughs> and it was refreshing. And I learned some things that I didn't know before. You know, when you go to other countries, you get to experience different cultures and you get to experience different ways of life, things that I didn't know, but now I know. I remember as a kid, my brother used to love G.I. Joe. He had all the G.I. Joe action figures, and uh, he had a saying. I think it came off the TV show where it would go, now you know, and knowing is, oh, do you know it? Half the battle. <laughs> now you know, and knowing is half the battle. If we don't know the Word of God, if we don't know who we are in Christ, if we don't know what God is doing in our lives, how can we even win this battle of life? But we're going to discover today that now you know, just as before, I went on vacation and went to various parts of Europe. There were some things I didn't know. I know now. And today, as we dive into the Word of God, we are going to know some things we did not know before. So God, right now, I thank you that you're going to speak to us. Our hearts are receptive, our minds are alert, and our ears are open. We are studying this summer, the book of 1 Thessalonians. And so we're diving in to chapter two here, beginning in verse one. It starts, you know, <laughs> you know, how do they know? Paul's writing, you know, well, they know because Paul and Silas, they told them. How do they know? Because Paul and Silas showed them. How did Paul and Silas show them? Because Paul and Silas lived among them. Do, do you know anyone who after, it seems like almost every sentence, they say, you know, you know? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like in our world today, there's a lot of things we're like, we don't know. <laughs> What's going to happen with inflation? What's going to happen with the economy? What's going to happen with the election? What's going to happen here at the war? This or that? Like, we, I, I don't know. Do people today know about God? Not just what they imagine or think or maybe have been wrongly told, but, but do they know? And how will they know if no one tells them? How will they know how much God loves them if no one tells them, if, if no one shows them, if no one lives among them? Who's going to do that? <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a request of you that I have a request of this church, like, and actually like a, not just a request, but a commitment, like we are going to show people how much God loves them and how much God can do in their lives. It says, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. Now, it was not without results. <laughs> he, he's writing to people and, and when he was with them, like, Paul and Silas were ran out of town. <laughs> Is that the kind of results that you would want in life? Are you getting the kind of results you want? <laughs> Do you look at uh, your retirement account? Is it getting the kind of results you want? Are you looking right now at the, the relationship and the effort you're putting in? Is it getting the kind of 
results you you wanted? <laughs> Are you looking at your career and all the effort and energy and, and additional education that you've already like you've you've done all this, but are you getting the results? What about sharing God's love with other people? What about being there and helping your neighbors? Or, or what about being there for, for someone who's going through a challenging time and showing them God's grace and showing them God's love, and yet they seem to be pushing you away? The, there's a big difference between initial response and eternal results. Let me say that again. There's a big difference between initial response and eternal results. When it comes to, to sharing the message of Jesus, the letting people know, let them know, that's our responsibility. <laughs> their response is their response. It's their responsibility. But the results, that is God's responsibility. In fact, I've discovered and I've seen and we see throughout Scripture that some of the best long-term results come after the worst immediate responses or reactions. We're discovering today, now I know. Verse 2, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi as you know, you know, we, we had suffered. To suffer is to experience severe physical and mental pain. Are you suffering right now? The, the, the family member who, who's going through that, that medical treatment, not only are they suffering, but are you suffering watching them go through that? Are you suffering financially? You're, you're doing everything you can to support your family and, and you, you're putting God's house first, but it doesn't seem to be working out. Are you, are you suffering? Are, are you suffering because you're, you're trying to share God's love and you're trying to share God's light and you're doing everything you can to best follow Jesus, but, but are you suffering? I, I have an announcement. Purpose has a price. <laughs> Your purpose has a price. <laughs> and part of that price is pain. Whenever Lindsay, uh, she, she'll order stuff and it gets delivered to the front door and she opens up this box and she holds up this thing. Do you, do you like this? I say, well, try it on, you know? And so she'll try it on and she'll say, do, do you like this? Do you think I should keep it or should I return it? And the question that I normally ask is, how much did it cost? <laughs> is that a bad question to ask? What's the, what's the price? <laughs> if I like it, sort of depends on what's the price. And I think some of us, we don't realize that there is a price tag to following Jesus, that, that there is a, a price. And, and Paul here, he, he seems deeply hurt by how he was treated there in, in Philippi. Well, how was he treated? He was beaten. He was thrown in prison. He was chained up. He, he was hurt just trying to help other people. And yet in the midst of that, and in the midst of, 
of all the trauma you're going through, in the midst of all that people are trying to do to you, here's what he says, but with the help of our God, <laughs> but with the help of God. My, my dad was a huge Beatles fan, is a huge Beatles fan. And I remember as a kid, he even had the vinyls. He'd be playing the Beatles. And I just remember like in the house, help, I need somebody, help, not just anybody, help. You know, I, I need someone. Is anyone relate to that right now? You're like, help, <laughs> I need, uh, I need, I need somebody. But maybe you don't just need somebody. Maybe you've been going to the wrong somebody. Maybe you need God because, you know, you can go to people and maybe people, there's people right now, especially in culture, who, who are trying to be hurtful. If you don't agree or, or vote like them, there's, there's people who can be helpful. Maybe the, the counselor can be helpful. Maybe your, your friends can be helpful and be there for you. Maybe your family can be can be helpful and maybe help provide for you during this challenging season, but there is no help like that that comes from God. In Psalm 46.1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. This isn't just help that is good. There's good help. This is God help. That even when people are trying to hurt you, God is always there to help you. <laughs> Someone's like, now, now I know. <laughs> he says, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. We dared. <laughs> I dare you. When I was in high school, my friends and I, we would always dare each other. And it was, uh, there were some crazy moments. <laughs> one time at the beginning of lunch, we, we dared one of our friends, Kerpal Sandu, to go stand on top of the vending machine and sing and dance the entire lunch. So the entire lunch, he is on top of the vending machine doing this dance. He couldn't talk to anyone. He is just up there dancing and singing songs for 45 minutes. It was hilarious. People are like, what is happening? Has he lost his mind? Uh, we dared another friend, Chris Lockwood, to go buy a bowling ball and bring it to school and basically set up all the trash cans. So during lunch, this was at a South Hills High School, we would basically set up all the trash cans, which had trash in them, and we would go bowling. Oh, we dared another friend to basically Joe Valenzuela because uh, there was someone who had gotten a ladder. He was one of the maintenance workers and he went up onto the roof of the high school and it was on break. We dared him to take the ladder and just run off campus with it. Uh, we, we would do some crazy things off of dares. To dare is to have the boldness or courage to try. To have the boldness or courage to try. I dare you 
to give it all to God. I dare you to wholeheartedly follow Jesus. I dare you to live open-handed. I dare you to shine the light of God in a dark world. I dare you to, to show God's love to a world that is broken. You, you hear about daredevils who try just crazy things that, that put their own lives at risk. <laughs> I've, I've never heard of a dare angel where, where we go to, to help other people who are putting their own lives at risk because they've bought into the lies that culture has to offer. I dare you to share the gospel. The gospel is good news. We live in a world where we're being inundated with bad news. We we get bad news when we go on the actual news. We go online. We, we get bad news maybe for you when you go to the doctor. You get bad news when, when you open up your, uh, your banking app. You're like, bad, bad news, but I dare you to share the good news, which is the gospel. And too many followers of Jesus are waiting for a good opportunity. I'm just, I'm just waiting for an opportunity to share, to share God. I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for an opportunity. Uh, Paul's like, we, we shared it not, not in the midst of a strong opportunity, but in the midst of strong opposition. <laughs> are you willing to share the love of God when there's strong opposition? Are you willing to still live open-handed in a culture of strong opposition? In fact, here's what I found, and here's what you see through Scripture. Great opportunity usually comes in the face of great opposition. You see, many of us, we want that opportunity to be great because we want to be assured of the outcome. We want a guarantee. <laughs> Have you ever bought anything that, that had a money-back guarantee? <laughs> Have you ever done, like, it's, it's guaranteed. We want a guarantee, like, like God, I'll follow you, and I'll, I, I'll fully live for you, but I want a guarantee of, of how this relationship is going to turn out. I, I want a guarantee of how my finances are, are going to turn out. But guess what? We live in uncertainty. The world is uncertain. The times we're living in, are uncertain. <laughs> I'm sorry to break it to you, but so much of life is like, you give it your all, you follow God whole, wholeheartedly, and you're like, yeah, but is this relationship going to be restored? It might, or it might not. <laughs> you're like, well, 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 well am I going to, am I going to have enough money to pay rent this month? If, if I start tithing, start tithing now, well, <laughs> you know, it might, but it might not. If I share Jesus to my coworker, are they going to be receptive? They might, or they might not. <laughs> they might get angry and try to get you, try to get you fired. This is what we see in Paul's life, and he and Silas. Like it might get you, it might get you beat. Like they were being, it might get you thrown in jail. They were thrown in jail. We have people around the world today that just for praying in certain places or for reading scripture are getting thrown, are getting thrown in prison. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? <laughs> it might get you thrown into a fiery furnace. What about Daniel? It might get you thrown in, into the lion's den. You see, we want to guarantee. We want to guarantee that we're going to avoid trouble. We're going to avoid hardship. We're going to, we're going to avoid opposition. We, we can't get that guarantee, 
But what we do have is we have a guarantee that God is with us. I want to ask you, what are you facing today? Are you facing an obstacle that seems insurmountable? Would you dare in the face of danger? You're like, it's dangerous in our world today. I might get canceled. I might get fired. This is, but, but you're like, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's like, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> it seems like a, a coin flip. Heads or tails? What'd you call? Tails. <laughs> Do it again. It's 50-50. Does that mean next time it's going to be heads? Maybe, maybe not. Next time, if, if I follow God, what is it? Tails, t- tails. Sometimes we feel like it's just the odds. But I want you to know, even if the odds are against you, God is with you and God is for you. Someone you could be like, now I know. Am I going to trust the odds or am I going to trust God? Verse 3 says, for the appeal we make, does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. He's saying we we are making an appeal. That's what we do when we share the message of Jesus. We're supposed to make an appeal. We're not here to attack people. See, Christians right now, they are attacking (laughs) non-believers. Why? Because we're being attacked. You see, culture does that. It's like, are we learning to do it the way culture? We're, we're here to make an appeal. What that is, is that is communication. We're here to communicate. Communicate speaks, communicate listens, communication understands where people are at. Culture just wants to cancel, but we're here to communicate. It's like, Paul's saying, this isn't out of an, this, this is not an error. <laughs> I love baseball. Grew up playing baseball, love watching baseball. And it's like you always hate when it's like when it's your team, there there's an air. <laughs> my my oldest, Ian, growing up, they would call him Easy E because he would make everything look easy. Didn't make very many errors. You, you see kids in 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 Little League making making a lot of errors. It's one thing if you make an error in baseball, but what about when we err in truth and you see that that is happening today? That when it comes to truth, people are are making an error. Even followers of Jesus are are diluting that truth, are are manipulating that truth. It's like, like, listen, motives matter. Why we do what we do. You ever look at someone and be like, why'd you do that? I don't know. There's a reason. Whether they're present to it or not, motives matter. This is a heart issue. I'm not talking about our physical hearts because uh, cardiovascular disease runs in my family. I I need to get checked and uh, I'm very aware of of my heart health, (laughs) but I'm talking about our spiritual heart health. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, above all else, this must be important. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. People today need a spiritual cardiologist, and sometimes as followers of Jesus, we start acting like a uh, a cosmetologist, <laughs> trying to make them look better. Do this, read your Bible, and you should read your Bible, but like do this, make sure you pray, and they should pray, but, but it becomes to do's and don'ts. Do this, but don't do that. 
And it's like, it, it's deeper than that. We, we need to be people who have pure motives, who have authentic words and, and actions as we're following Jesus. Jesus was not a magician. Jesus is, he's the Messiah. I remember being a kid and going up to, to my grandma and grandpa's house on Orcas Island. And because my mom, like, we, we didn't get to eat, like, cereal that we wanted. As a kid, we only got grape nuts. <laughs> like, I was like, what? Grape nuts are just these small rocks that destroy your teeth. Or like, it was shredded wheat, not the kind with powdered sugar on it. So when we went up to my grandparents on Orcas Island, called them Oma and Opa, uh, they would take us to the supermarket and we got any kind of cereal we wanted. And I was like, oh my goodness, what do I get? Do I get Frosted Flakes or do I get Captain Crunch? But I remember my sister would sometimes get tricks. <laughs> Remember tricks? <laughs> they they had a great commercial where the rabbit would say, you know, try to put on tricks. Tricks are for rabbits, and the, like the kids would go silly. Rabbit tricks are for kids. As followers of Jesus, listen, tricks that's for culture. Tricks <laughs> that that's for other people. But for us. How we love is so much more important than how we look. And let's be people who are authentic. We could say, now, now I know. It says, on the contrary, tricks. Nope, on the contrary. We speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. On the contrary, we speak. We, they, they were speaking. Have Christians stopped speaking up? Remember going up to, to youth camps growing up and up in the mountains and, and the city boy. I, I'd be waking up in the middle of the night trying to go to the restroom and you walk outside and it's dark and you're like, whoa, are there bears? And all you can hear is crickets, crickets, crickets. And I wonder in our world today, culture is loud. But, but is the church loud? Are we speaking or, or are we just silent? I want to encourage you, don't be silent when people are hurting. Don't be silent when people are broken internally. Don't be silent when people are so confused about their identity. Listen, but he is saying we are approved by God. <laughs> When you get food labels or you get medicine, it might say approved by what? The FDA. FDA, we can get into that. You can get, <laughs> do, uh, I won't even go there when we start talking about vaccination approvals and this and all people all over the place. But here's the thing. When we speak up, we need to make sure that we are approved by God. That should be important, that what we're sharing, that how we're living, it is, it is approved by God. So many of us, we are living for the approval of people. I know and I've spoken with people who, in a way, are, are even living for the approval of, of a parent who's already died. We, we live for the approval of people. And so we, we post certain things or we say certain things or we don't post certain things or we don't say, say certain things because people can approve or disapprove. Come on, you know the way they look at you, the, the way they respond to you. It's just like we need to live for the approval of God. Paul is writing here that, that, that we've been entrusted with this. 
I want you to know that we've been entrusted with this message. We live in a culture of entitlement where people always feel like they're entitled to anything and, and everything just by being alive. But, but as a follower of Jesus and realizing, gosh, without God, I'm nothing. I feel like I'm, I'm entitled to nothing. But because I've accepted Jesus into my life, because I'm following him with everything that is within me, I've been entrusted with everything. And that is sharing the message of hope, sharing the gospel message. You know, the best decisions we, we will ever make in life come out of pursuing God and not just trying to please people. He says, you know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. You know people who use flattery? <laughs> oh, I've seen it. You see a guy go up to a girl and he's like, girl, you are the most beautiful girl I have ever seen. And he doesn't mean it. He just, you know what he wants. He just wants to get her home with him. <laughs> or to her home. People use, they use flattery. Uh, flattery is excessive and insincere praise. Let me say that again. Excessive and insincere praise given especially to further one's own interest. You're not saying that to genuinely acknowledge someone else, whether it be their beauty or their talent. There's a, there's a hidden agenda. People have pointed that out about TV preachers <laughs> over the years. It's like, wait, are, is what they're doing for my good? Is what they're doing to, to lift up the name of God? Or is, it, or is it greed? It is so important as followers of Jesus that we say what we mean and we mean what we say. This is not... This is not about a hidden agenda. You see, church isn't a place that we should come to and put masks on and try to pretend like we got it all together, try to pretend like we're perfect. Church is a place where people should say, no, masks off. We are hurting and we are broken at times, but there is hope in Jesus. You know, we are more sinful and flawed than we want to imagine, but we are more loved and accepted by God than we can ever dream possible. And if we can just say, you know what? I'm not going to live for the applause of people because if you live for the applause of people, you will die from the lack of it. I am living for the approval of my God. <laughs> and where we make up in our minds that we are going to operate, as Paul is showing us, to influence people. Not, not from a position of authority. I think that that's where we get where it becomes manipulation, where it's authority. That's where people in authority, whether it be government authority, whether it be religious authority, whether it be uh, authority at your job, corporate authority, and try to manipulate and try to pressure into actions. It should be about true influence. Verse 7 says, Instead, we were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. A number of years ago, I, I wrote out a, a statement on the church that I see. On, 
on what kind of church are we committed to becoming? Or what kind of church are we committed to being? I said, here's the church I see. It's dinner parties, gather across cities, people refusing to live life alone. People feel safe enough to be themselves. It is authentic with meaningful conversations. People are laughing together and yet at times they're crying together. They are meeting the needs of one another. It's clear it's relationships, not religion. People don't just go to church, but are the church. These irresistible environments are what so many people call home. Here's what Paul continues to write. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. (laughs) We work day, night, and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. It's like, we don't want to be overly dependent on you. (laughs) We, We want to be a blessing, not a burden. That is so opposite of culture today. Culture today is like, no, you should take care of me. You should, you should do this. I don't want to have to work. I don't want to. He's like, no, no, no. Here's what you'll discover in life. There's, well, basically three kinds of people. There's givers, there's matchers, and there's takers. There's people, and you could, they fall into different areas, and sometimes in different relationships, they can maybe shift, but there's people, there's givers, where in life, they give more than they get. In fact, they give not in order to get, they give because they're just a giver. Then there, there's matchers. People who you do something for them, because they're a matcher, they feel like they gotta, like they gotta even it out. Oh, it's fair, it's just, I'm gonna do that for you. Or, or, or like, you, or you do something if you're a matcher for someone, thinking that they're gonna match and do it back for you. And then there's takers, who, who all they want is to receive stuff. So even if they're helping someone, they're doing it because they wanna, because they wanna receive something. It's like, wait, hold on, wait. We should be givers. We should live open-handed. And yet here, the, the point Paul is making, we need to understand that, that this isn't a culture that despised manual labor. The Greeks despised manual labor. You see it happening in our culture today. People are like, don't work too hard. Oh, no, don't, don't give too much to your company. <laughs> Are you, are, you, are you exhausted? Are you, are you overworked? <laughs> this is like, wait, What? I wonder if we're hard workers or if we're, or if we're hardly working. I learned from my grandpa Chuck, who owned a gas station for decades, what it was to be a hard worker. You think, well, he owned it. He didn't have to work hard. No, he had to work harder than everyone else. He left early in the morning before a lot of the family was awake. He, he got home many times after most people were, were already asleep, but he was willing to do whatever it it takes because there was ownership there. I wonder if, if there's ownership in, in a saying that we're going to own sharing the gospel message to, to other people, willing to do whatever it takes. Because here's the thing. If you don't work, whatever you're doing won't work. You're like, now I know. It says, you are witnesses 
and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. You need to understand that this is not on their own. This is not something that happens on our own, but it happens because of who we are in Christ. Verse 11, for you know, (laughs) I know, now I know, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. This is talking here about parents in a culture that today, right now, is is trying to trying to take away the influence of parents. It's trying to say, no, they're not your kids. They're they're all of our kids. It's trying, it's trying to, to take away the family unit. It, I love this picture here. Because first it's a, it's, it's a mother and now it's a father showing genuine care. It's saying, because, because of who God's called you to be, live worthy of that call. Too many people are, are living worldly, not worthy of the call that's, that's on their life. Worthy is, is having worth or value. And you might be feeling worthless and feeling like I don't have any value because of decisions you've made, because of people you've hurt, maybe because of your current situation, maybe because of what people have told you. But I want to encourage you today, don't live below your worth. You are created by God on purpose for a purpose. And no matter what you've done, God has a purpose, he has a plan, and God wants to take you into a bright future. You may feel unworthy, but you're worth the price. (laughs) What price? Just as Lindsay tries on clothes, I'm like, how much does it cost? How much did you cost? Jesus loves you so much, he gave his own life. That's, That's how much you are worth. You're like, now I know. 